So I have a 10-year plan at the moment and it sort of ends at the Brisbane Olympics in 2032. I'd love to be a part of that. In the lead up to that, to work at Football Australia till, um, you know, hopefully 2026, the, the Men's World Cup over in the US and Canada and Mexico, and then go to Europe for two or three years, work there and then come back and get a job at the Brisbane Olympics. But I think it was definitely worthwhile because it's made my decision making so much easier. Um, you know, a job will pop up. I'm like, oh, that's a sick job. But I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into my career yeah. goal, so like, I'm not even going to bother looking at it. You know, sometimes you have to be flexible and you have to change your, your career path and, and make different decisions. But if you have that base of, you know, this is my goal, I want to work at the Brisbane Olympics and how do I get there? G'day guys, coming up on the show today is Sam Hickson. Sam is the event manager at Football Australia. Sam is one of the great friends of the show, having previously joined us for a World Cup special in episode 185, which you may remember. There's heaps to look out for in today's app, including what it's like to work at Football Australia, how he created a bit of a career plan for himself despite being still quite early in his career, and what some of the key skills are that you need to work in events at one of the biggest national sporting organisations in Australia. Let's go. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grab podcast, the ultimate guide to make it in the sports industry. I'm Ryan Walker and each week we learn how people made it in sports and tease out some of their career decisions, their work habits, skills and everything they do that makes them great. Also, you can learn how to get in, get promoted and get thriving in the sports industry. Follow us on LinkedIn if you don't already. If you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in the sports industry, you can become a member of the Sports Rag community. A little bit of a shout out to some of those members inside our community at the moment. A couple of wins I'd love to share with you. Number one is Matty Reith, one of our favorite members, is out there being production coordinator at Kojo. A lot of you would have heard of Kojo. It's one of the best organizations and creative agencies here in Australia working with some great organisations. So congrats, Matty. And the second one I'd love to call out is Path Suri, our man from Adelaide. He's recently got a new job as the Community Engagement Manager at the Adelaide Crows. Talk about an incredible job uh, coming from a, a banking background as well. So it just proves again, uh, if you don't work in sport, there's always ways to get into sport. So well done, Path. And he's also our Member of the Month for June little bit of a fun initiative we have inside Sportsgrow where we reward some of the great work that our members are doing each and every month. So great job, Path, and great to catch up with you back at the uh, at the Adelaide meetup. Uh, if you'd like to enjoy a little bit of a quick email from us every Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As, uh, you know, latest podcast episodes as well, then subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that by heading to our website, at sportsgrad.com.au slash newsletter. You can subscribe and there's also a link in our show notes as well. But without further ado, let's get on to the episode with Sam Hickson. Grab a pen. This is an awesome chat with Sam. Everybody wants to study at one of the top unis in the world for sport. And at Deakin, you can do just that. So don't miss your chance to see what sets them apart at their campus open days this August. Check out the -the state-of-the-art facilities, hear from their world-class academics, meet with current students and experience the campus vibe that they're famous for. Join thousands of the brightest students who have already registered to attend this unmissable event. Search Deakin Open Day and take your first step towards achieving your ultimate career. The Geelong Open Day is on the 20th of August, 9am to 3pm. And of course, Burwood Open Day is the 27th of August at 9am to 3pm. So check it out now and start your career in sport. Sam. Welcome back to the Sports Grab podcast, mate. Hello. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It's good to be back. Good to have you in Melbourne for a change. You're usually up in Sydney and I don't think I've seen you in person since Qatar as well. Yeah, pretty much. I think um, you guys weren't at the Socceroos game in March. 
I was. Well, you were, but I didn't but see I you didn't there. I didn't see you there. Yeah, fair I enough. saw some photos of you on the ground there, but mm. we, you know, you were too busy. You didn't have time to catch up with someone like me. So, oh. <laughs> um, good to finally get you get you down. It is good to be in God's country in Melbourne. Mm. God's country, love that. Yeah. How, how has Football Australia been since uh, the whole World Cup uh, thing? It's, it's been really good. <laughs> um, it's been very busy. Um, there's a lot happening at the moment. Um, there's a lot of planning um, for obviously the Women's World Cup and then um, some upcoming matches as well. Uh, we've had the Cup of Nations in February too. We had the Socceroos game in March. Um, we actually had some really cool matches involving the Pararoos um, in early Feb as well, which was fun to do. Um, so it's been, yeah, very crazy and, and busy, but it's been really good. Now, I remember last time you were on the podcast, um, you said that if Australia make it to the World Cup and oh, – oh, sorry, if they, make, if they make it to the round of 16 of the World Cup, which they did – Yeah then the prize money from FIFA might go towards some business flights back to Australia. Did that ever end up happening? Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, no. But I got, I got extra, extra legroom seats, so I can't complain. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, when, when I was in Qatar, I caught up with um, uh, Chris Niku, Chairman of Football Australia, and uh, I spoke about you and he goes, oh, yeah, I know Sam. He's my ticket guy. <laughs> and I was like, great, me and the chairman have got the same ticket guy for the World Cup. Yeah. And I told him about what you said on the last podcast. And I was like, the, uh, the staff are eyeing off some business flights mm. home. And he goes, oh, I might have, to, might have to have a word about that. Yeah. So uh, his word clearly got through if you're flying home in economy. Yeah. Um, it's not great to know that I'm known as a ticketing guy, yeah. um, but that's okay. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. It's great. It's yeah. good on you. Yeah. Mm. Um, Mate, you're an avid listener, so you know how this goes. Uh, we start the episode with a few quick-fire questions. Uh, heavily instructed to make them quick, as we notified earlier. Yeah. But uh, I'll start. What was your first ever job? Uh, it was a paper run around my local neighbourhood. <laughs> nice. And uh, what did you study at university? Uh, I did a Bachelor of Business, majoring in Sport Management and Management. Uh, and then I'm currently doing a Master's of Event Management. Nice. Yep. Favourite sporting moment? Uh, can I have two? The, the qualifying uh, at, for the Men's World Cup, that, yeah. the penalty save by Redders, um, and then also making it to the round of 16 in the World Cup at my first World Cup. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. To be there for both is just yeah, outrageous. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outrageous. Uh, what is your favourite interview question that you like to answer? Uh, pro- pro- probably would be uh, someone asking me what... Um, an example of how I've problem solved um, at an event under pressure. Um, I like to think that I work well under pressure, so I think um, that's a nice, easy one for me to answer. When you work in events, I'm sure that happens mm. almost on yeah. a daily <laughs> basis. You're in 100%. the pressure cooker. Mm. Nice. I remember chatting to you in Qatar and you, with all the, the ticketing systems that FIFA had given you and trying to distribute them to family and friends at didn't sound easy. <laughs> it was not, and uh, especially coupled with the ticketing system going down before the first match as well, I think that added to it. But everyone eventually got their tickets, and that's the main thing. Everyone made it in. Yeah. It. <laughs> nice. What's, uh, what's a book or podcast that's helped you at work? Uh, well, like I said before, I don't really listen uh, to podcasts other mm. than sports grad, so I think I'd have to say sports grad uh, definitely has helped um, because, yeah, I don't really like podcasts. Um, but I really enjoy listening to sports grad and, and learning a lot from it. So, yeah. I think we'll pay you later. <laughs> yeah. well, out of interest, what was, the, what was the first episode that you listened to that made you a podcast listener? Uh, the first episode I listened to was on the way to my first sports grad meetup. Uh, and it was one of the ones of like, what do I do at a meetup? Or like, uh, how yeah. do I not be awkward at a sports grad meetup? I think that was the first one. And then I've sort of gone back and watched others since then. Nice. I think that was one of my favourite pods of all time, the <laughs> how not to be awkward. Yeah. I think that was great. Good. That was raw. Yeah, I've was actually, like, that advice of like having something in your hand at all times, I've like taken into like just normal that. life as well. <laughs> I'll go to like yeah. a friend's party or something and I'll just make sure like I have something in, in my hand so I'm not standing there awkwardly. So yeah. it's been good. It's a little trick for young players, isn't it? That's still life the test advice. of time. <laughs> I remember when we were writing up that episode and I was like, is this weird to say like yeah. hold something in your hand? but. Nah. That, that night, or maybe it was a Melbourne one, I had a few people come up to me like, I'm yeah. holding something. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I forget people listen to my Got advice. something in my <laughs> head. Mm. Um, are you associated with any grassroots sporting clubs? 
I am. Uh, I currently play for ACUFC out in Football Canterbury. Um, and then previous to that, I was um, heavily involved with North Epping Rangers uh, in the, well, it was Glazeville Hornsby, but now it's Northwest Sydney football. Nice. Amazing. And uh, finally, if you had 30 minutes to pick the brain of absolutely anybody, who would it be? That's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I'd probably say uh, off the top of my head, uh, Holly Melia, who's the event manager at the Football Association uh, over in the UK. Uh, I think the experience that she has and the, the matches she gets to run would be pretty sick. So I'd, I'd love to have a chat, chat with her, yeah. Nice. Awesome. That's a great one. Can we get her on the podcast? Yeah. Well, you can try. <laughs> if you do, I'd love to be a part of that pod as well. Thanks. <laughs> Dial in for a question if you like. 100%. Uh, we've got a bonus question here. Okay. Uh, it comes from Coops, Cooper Irwin, one of our great members at Swarscrad. Nice. He's uh, he sent through a question and that is... The smile on your face is scaring yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, how'd Western Sydney go in the A-League finals? <laughs> can we end the podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> You're a very avid fan, aren't you? I, I am, yes. You, I, you bleed the red and black. Absolutely, yes. I uh, have a RBB membership um, and I try to make most of the, the matches that I can for Wanderers. Um, I was there at the semifinal. When it ended? Yep. <laughs> uh, and I left pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah. Yep. I was no, very good. Nice. Thanks, Coach, for the question as well. Yeah, we've just got the Discord here open for yeah. anyone to uh, send some questions through, which is a new thing we're trying, which is cool. Yeah, I Coops like is, it. Me too. I'll, I'll send I'll send you a, a video of me walking away after the final whistle, Cooper, and you can watch me. Yeah. <laughs> Rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Western United, you spent some time working at Western United before you landed your job at Football Australia, where you're now the event manager. But walk us through the sequence of events that you went through from, say, university to the role you're in now so people can hear about your journey. Before we begin, uh, Western United, it is actually Western Sydney Wanderers. Sorry, Western okay. Sydney. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. I've got too many Wests in my head. Yeah, yeah. we made finals and I don't think Western United did. No. So, uh, <laughs> Western Ooh. Sydney, my bad. That's right. Um, yeah, so when I was at uni, I was at... Uh, working at Bicycle New South Wales as the event assistant there, um, just casually two days a week, um, helping run the Spring Cycle and Gear Up Girl, which was two, like, just community bike rides. Um, Spring Cycle went across the Harbour Bridge, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, and then one thing led to another, and a lot of people say it's who you know, not what you know in sport, and this is a great example of that. Um, I, uh, my dad worked next to someone... Um, who had a connection with the Western Sydney Wanderers and then through them talking sort of I came up and my love for sport and the Wanderers came up as well. Um, and through that, I got to have a meeting with uh, Mark Jensen, who was the um, head of marketing communications at the Wanderers, um, grabbed a coffee with him, had a chat with him. Um, and then he introduced me to Natalie Gatt, um, who at the time was kind of like the event manager um, at the Wanderers that, that ran their matches. Um, and then they offered me an internship um, to do like the precinct o operations there. Um, and then through that, it kind of just led um, from one, you know, one thing led to another. I was a uh, precinct intern and then I sort of helped out the community uh, one day a week as a paid role just um, with their school's cup. And then um, sort of just started adding days on. So I went to two days, three days. And then um, after COVID, uh, that was my first full-time job at the Wanderers. Um, and then moving on from Wanderers uh, was now my, my current organisation, which is Football Australia. Uh, I was event coordinator there. And then obviously um, back in November, got promoted to event manager, which was, which was yeah, yeah, pretty exciting. Amazing. And how did you make that jump from Wanderers to, to FA? Were you looking for something? Did it just come up? Did someone tell you about it? How did that work? Yeah, well, I wasn't actually looking um, at the time. I was um, really enjoying my time at Wanderers. Um, and then I was out at a school clinic. I remember I, was, I think it was West Ride Public School. Um, and I got a message um, from someone that worked at, Fo at Football Australia um, just recommending me for this role saying, hey, I reckon this would be a great fit for you. I'd, I'd worked with um, this person at um, the African Cup uh, through the Wanderers as well. So I, um, she obviously knew how, how I worked and you know what I did and um, applied for the job. Uh, she obviously 
I, I think spoke to the hiring manager and gave gave me a good rap, which is good. Um, and then yeah, had an in- interview, and then uh, a month or so you know later started at, at Football Australia. Nice, incredible. Yeah, tell us about being an event manager. What, what, what does it consist of? Walk us through a typical day of what that looks like at, at Football Australia. I've been asked this so many times, a typical day as an event manager, and it's, it's like, such a... What do you actually do? <laughs> what, what do you do? I just run matches. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I guess, uh, well, currently at, at the moment, we're planning for um, the Matildas send-off match on the 14th of July out at Marvel Stadium. If you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets now. And if you haven't got your tickets, you know where to go. Exactly. <laughs> Not to me, to Ticket Tech. Thank you. Chris, Chris um, Niku's personal <laughs> Um, so currently in the planning stages of that, so um, looking at um, room allocations um, based off the CADs of the stadium, um, obviously you've got your parking and accreditation that you're working through. Um, you have all like the VIP functions and um, the the corporate hospitality um, that uh, you're still working with our corporate hosp- hospitality team to make sure that the rooms that we need from an event and operations you know point of view are, are free and available. Um, and then obviously you're working with the stadium as well to make sure that um, from an operational point of view you're sort of aligned. It is arguably one of the most important matches in the Matildas calendar. Um, it's only a week or so before the, their first match. Um, in the Women's World Cups. So you want to make sure everything's perfect for them. It's it's an um, ideal environment for high performance because the last thing you want is, is someone to get injured or something to go wrong and then um, it affects their performance at, at the Women's World Cup. So um, just making sure the venue and high performance and ourselves um, are sort of aligned and making sure that from a high performance view, we've, we've got everything down pat. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, even today, heading down to Marvel Stadium to to check out the precinct to make sure that we have enough space, measuring things to um, to ensure that you know marquees will fit or inflatables, um, and then just seeing if we can find additional rooms or um, if the rooms we, we have don't work, how, how how do we make them work? So, um, yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind behind the scenes. It's um, it's a lot of work, but it's it's fun and exciting work as well. Mm. It's also like a, a lot of stuff that isn't related to the actual game. Like all the behind the scenes stuff, you know, like the rooms, the VIPs, the hospitality, all these kind of things that allow it to all happen. I think some people won't realise what is really behind the scenes in that. Like this is so much. Exactly. And I feel like um, I say what we do and then there's so much that I don't actually like think about that I do, but I still do. Yeah. Um, and like us as a team, um, we we put together an, an amazing world class match, but there's so many things like millions of things that goes on behind the scenes, um, down to the smallest thing like you know have we packed that marquee in the freight, you know, and then mm. that might if we haven't packed that marquee, then you know I'm worrying about that on match day instead of worrying about you know some some something else, and then it sort of snowballs. So just making sure that everything's you know perfect and and make sure it's all you know ready to go. That's yeah the main thing. And, and how do you manage that? Do you have like massive spreadsheets, checklists, like what's behind everything that comes together yeah there's a lot of excel documents um you know catering is an excel doc parking is an excel doc accreditation is excel doc um our equipment and freight is an excel doc as well and just making sure that um we're checking those off and um ensuring that what what we have and what what we're planning for is is correct and um we can go off previous matches um and make you know cross checking to make sure we've uh, you know covered it all for this match um but this one on the 14th of july is going to be big so um yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Amazing. Have you just become like an Excel wizard in the process of doing your job? <laughs> I actually did a course when I was a bicycle in New South Wales, an intermediate Excel course. And I think it in, went in one ear and out the other uh, because <laughs> I still I still am not great at Excel. <laughs> oh, you haven't got your V lookups down pat or anything like no, that? No, definitely not. <laughs> I had to ask someone uh, a couple of days ago how to hide a column and how to lock a column because I wanted to lock that first column. Oh, yeah, the freeze frame. Yeah, the freeze yep. frame. Yeah, I, I didn't know you how to do that. You so. feel like a massive pro when you freeze one. You're just like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it like, scrolls and the that's locked. Oh, yeah. yeah. feels good. I did a Sunday the other day. That, was, that made me feel Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's Impressive. when you get into the bit scary mode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What well, um before you move on, why is that game at Marvel? Do you, do you know? Like, I actually like, don't. It be at Amy. Uh, well, Amy is a is a women's World Cup venue, so um, uh, they don't want to play on it. Well, FIFA um has like an exclusion period and gotcha. um which obviously people can't play on it because they want to yeah. make sure the pitch is up to that World Cup standard. Yeah. 
Um, Makes sense. And obviously Marvel fits a lot more people. So we're trying to get as many people as we can into that match, especially because uh, a lot of the Matildas matches are sold out now in the Women's World Cup. So, um, yeah. yeah, those that didn't get the tickets for the Women's World Cup can come to that, that uh, send-off game. Yeah, cool. Makes awesome. sense. Let's. Uh, I just want to backtrack a bit quickly to the the men's World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. So you've given us a nice description of what a day in the life looks like here when you're in Australia working on tournaments at home. Can you give us a brief description of what it was like when you're on the ground at the Qatar World Cup? What was that like? It was pretty manic. Um, we weren't getting a lot of sleep, but it was it was very exciting. Um, I think uh, on on a match day. Um, you know, you'd wake up, you'd get breakfast and a coffee because that's very important. Um, and then you'd sort of um, lock in that ticketing allocation, making sure that um, players, family and friends got had their tickets and were seated correctly and making sure that no one was left out or no one hadn't received their tickets. So, so, so your role had changed during this period of time compared to what you do in Australia, is that right? Correct. So at the Men's World Cup, I was in charge of ticketing um, and then helping out with the with the fam- family and friends tour as well. Um, so it was it was good because it was different. So it was different learning for me. Um, I mean, the ticketing part was, was a, a challenge, um, especially with obviously all the stuff going down um, with the systems. It was tough. We were trying to figure out whether we would stay electronic, whether we print out the tickets, how we would distribute the tickets. Um, and then once we got on the bus, we would then go to the fam- family and friends function that was the pre- pre-match function, um, make sure I'd go around, just make sure everyone had their tickets, everyone was comfortable getting in- into the venue. Um, and then once we got to the venue, I would kind of just stand outside and just make sure that no one had any issues scanning their tickets, scanning their hair card. Um, if they were lined up in the wrong you know, line, I would try and drag them out and bring them back. Um, and yeah, just make sure that everyone was in because we, we all had to be in and seated before the warm up started. Um, and that was our biggest priority. And um, very thankfully we did for a- every single game. So that was good. And what about non-match days? Because there's like, what, five days in between some games? What, what yeah. would you do during those periods? Uh, it would just be playing for the next one. So um, doing the seating plans, making sure that um, we would have like a, a map of um, all the seats that we had. And then I'd put names to each seat to make sure that we had enough and um, that all the players and fam- family and friends were encountered for. Um I might, uh, you know, you might go to the FIFA headquarters and get your VAPs, which are like the the, the parking passes. Um, you might go to the, the FIFA ticketing center and um, have a chat to our, um, t- you know, ticketing contact if we had any questions. Um, and then on the side as well, helping with the family and friends, just making sure they were yeah, they were looked after. Um, if they were going anywhere or doing any tours, we might go along and just make sure that um, if they had any questions or, or, or concerns that were available. Did you do the uh, desert safari with them? Uh, the, that nighttime one, yeah. It was like we went to this like farm, but then one of the buses broke down, so we got there super late. Oh, no. and it was like already dark, they'd already started, they'd already serving oh. food. Um, and but it was it was actually a really cool experience. Um, they had some like of their um, their music playing, and then they had some dances and stuff. So it was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so like you're doing vastly different stuff like at the World Cup compared to back here in Australia. Does that sort of stuff happen often? Like are people regularly pulled into different roles for different tournaments or different periods um, just because stuff needs to be done? How does how does that work inside somewhere like Football Australia? Yeah, I, I guess it kind of depends on the tournament. Um, for the Men's World Cup, there were um, a couple of people that were, were pulled into differing roles. Um, for example, family and friends, um, there was uh, our fundraising manager was there, our marketing, our uh, general manager of marketing, and then myself was was there as well. So it's kind of just grabbing people from each department if they're available and, and free to help and have that sort of skill set needed for that role. So um, Carlo Kasparian was there? <laughs> Not Carlo Kasparian. He's the digital, <laughs> digital, digital marketing. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Our man, great friend of the uh, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big man Carlo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out Carlo. Um, He'd be tuning in, hundred percent. Um, yeah, so I guess it kind of just depends on what the, what the role requires, um, the skills needed for that role, and then obviously the availability. Some people may not be available because they may be doing other things. Um, like for example, Carlo um, would have been working on the media and, and making sure that um, all the socials and everything for the Socceroos were you know d- you know doing the best they could. Um, and so obviously he wouldn't be available to do help out in other areas. Areas. So um, I guess, it, yeah, it kind of depends on the skill set and, and whether that person's free or not. So it's just like tournaments on, all hands on deck. Pretty do, much. Do yeah. whatever you can. What do <laughs> yeah. we need? Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. 
traditional no. roles just gone out the window <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> that's cool nice it is pretty cool especially because you get that kind of different experience um and different you know roles that you can try out and um and see if you enjoy mm. awesome now sam uh, a couple of months ago i think it was now i called you up just to chat about how things are going and um one thing that you told me about was your goal setting process and the vision that you've got for your career and i was really impressed by it because i don't come across many people who are thinking this far ahead um and so i was wondering if you might be able to explain what you have in mind for your career for the next 10 years and how did you come about deciding on that yeah uh yeah so i have a 10-year plan at the moment um although i've started extending it because there's uh cool things after the (laughs) brisbane olympics i want to do wow um but yeah, so uh, a 10, 10, 10, 10 year plan that sort of um, ends at the Brisbane Olympics um, in 2032. I'd love to be a part of that. Um, it's obviously going to be a massive um, tournament, a home tournament in, in Australia, um, which I think would be super exciting to be a part of. Um, in the lead up to that, um, there, I, I would love to go o- overseas and work um, in Europe in sport, um, either, you know, UEFA or FIFA or, you know, a Premier League club, I'm a massive Manchester United fan. So um, to work there would be an absolute dream. Um, and I guess I had to come up with that sort of 10 year plan because um, there were certain decisions that I had to make within in my career. Um, and they were going to take me in a different path to where I was now. And I, I had to um, decide, you know, if I wanted to go down that career path and um, I guess I formulated that 10 year plan to make sure that I was focused with my decisions on my career. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to be flexible and you have to change your, your career path and, and make different decisions. But if you have that base of, you know, this is my goal, I want to work at the Brisbane Olympics and how do I get there? Um, I think that's sort of how I formulated that sort of plan to, um, to work at Football Australia till, um, you know, hopefully 2026, the, the Men's World Cup over in the US and Canada um, and Mexico. Uh, and then go to the um, uh, to Europe for two or three years, work there, and then come back and get a job at uh, the Brisbane Olympics. So I think that's that's the ten year plan at the moment. Nice, I love it. And is that like having that plan? Is that why you're doing like your masters now? Like you, you're thinking ahead of time. You want to get that done now so you can help you in the future, I guess. Yes, to be fair, <laughs> but when I started my masters, it was the height of COVID, and I was right. in my room <laughs> bored, and I was like, you know what, might as well start a masters. Probably, I've got three I'll years here, else probably. Exactly. <laughs> and then literally six six months later, like everyone's out of lockdown, I was like, uh. I'm stuck with this masters degree <laughs> now. Um, but they've ever only, only got a semester left after this one, which is good. So um, <clears> I hope that should be done soon. But um, yeah, I mean. Uh, while I'm here in Australia and um, I you know, have the, the capacity, I, um, I wanted to get that master's degree out of the way. I want to get as much experience as I can um, in sport and uh, hopefully that'll set me up well for the Brisbane Olympics. Mm. And w- was there anyone in particular who like guided you towards this vision setting process? How did you come about the, the framework for deciding what you want to do? Um, I kind of just made up myself uh, to start off with and then sort of got some guidance from um, some, you know, important sort of career people in my life. Um, a big one for me is my current boss at Football Australia. She's um, very supportive of um, of me, you know, growing in my career and um, improving and becoming the best of, you know, events person that I, I can be. And um, I've, you know, been seeking a heap of advice from her and um, in sort of where I want to go. And when these sort of career decisions come up, um, it's been really good because I've been able to, to speak to her and sort of get her advice to whether she thinks it's it's worthwhile for me to explore those career positions or whether, um, you know, the career change isn't for me. And um, she's been really open and honest with me, which has been really good, um, you know, showing me exactly what I want to do and sort of guide, guiding me in that process, which has been really good. Nice. nice. And, and are there any goals that like sit underneath it or, or milestones or is it lit- is it just a list of things you want to do within the next 10 years? Uh, currently it's a list I'm working on the milestones. I think um, uh, I'd love to obviously do the Olympics next year, um, which would then, if, if I work at the Olympics, I would have um, pretty much worked at every major national teams tournament in, in, in football for men's and women's, which would be a pretty cool achievement. Um, and then obviously to work at the Men's World Cup in, in the US, Canada and Mexico as well. Um, and then, I mean, uh, a dot point would be to work at Manchester United, but we'll, we'll see if that comes about. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. No, that's awesome. What, what would you say, you know, for 
So I reframe that. I got myself in a tangle. <laughs> like you're you're pretty early in your career, right? And and not a lot of people would have a plan like you. You know, like having a ten year plan, or at least just considering what the next ten years looks like. You know, I reckon the whole time I was at cricket, I didn't have a ten year plan. I didn't really think about it. So what what would you say for people now who are just starting out? You know, might have might be in their first job and thinking about what the next ten years looks like. Like, is it has it really served you well is it something that you definitely recommend doing yeah i think so I, it doesn't necessarily have to be 10 years either it can be you know three five ten whichever you can yeah. realistically plan ahead um for me i just knew that i had those sort of milestones that i really wanted to achieve and and jobs yeah. that i really you know wanted to work in um but i think it was definitely worthwhile because it's made my decision making so much easier um you know a job will pop up, i'm like oh that's a sick job i'm like well you know it doesn't it doesn't fit into my career yeah. goals, so like I'm not even going to bother looking at it. Um, so it's just made that um, process super easy instead of sort of going like, oh, that's a cool job. Do I apply for it? Do I not? Oh, like, you know, where, where, where will it lead to? Um, oh, yeah, I might head down this pathway. Mm-hmm. I've got just made sure that I've got that sort of con- concrete pathway from, from here to the Brisbane Olympics. Yeah, nice. Awesome. It's very cool. And is it like, is it a different feeling going to work each day knowing that you're on a path towards something you've thought deeply about compared to you know before you had this plan yeah and i think it also gives um sort of clarity in sort of the experience i want to get um and the things i want to learn and um and so yeah the um sort of the the skills and knowledge that i get at fa um i'm it's more directed towards what I want to do mm. um, instead of sort of, you know, going and just being like, yep, I'll learn everything, um, mm. which is, you know, a great way to start. Um, but then to be able to sort of narrow it down to some specific things I really want to learn and, and get experience in, I think has been really helpful. Mm. Yeah, that'd be a lot more, just be a lot more comfortable. Yeah, you know, like, all right, it's pretty black or white, which way I want to go rather yeah. than like, what's the right thing? Well, actually, there's some stuff deeper on that you probably need to dig into first. Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. Um, let's come back to your, your job at the moment, event manager. Um, what what are some of those essential skills that you need? Like if you were to put it down to three key skills, what do you need to be an event manager at Football Australia? Um, great question. I think probably the first one is, is what I spoke about earlier with the problem solving. Um, I think that's a, a big um, one, especially under pressure. There's going to be a lot of things that happen on a match day or match minus one where there's going to be a lot of time pressures and a lot of people pressures and you're going to have to make some pretty um, big decisions un- under pressure. So that sort of problem solving and decision making un- un- under pressure is, is super important. Um, being organized is another big one. Um, I When I first started working full time, I struggled to be or- organized. I was everywhere. I would just pick up random tasks and do it as, as it sort of came up. Um, now, you know, there's, there's a little bit more organization. I make sure I have my tasks written down. I know what I'm doing throughout the day. Um, and I think that organization really helps to, to make sure you don't miss anything important and um, and that you complete all the jobs that you, that you want to do. Um, and then probably the third... There's so many. <laughs> uh, problem solving, organization, and then probably communication skills would be the third. Um, there's a lot of people you need to speak to and communicate to um, as an event manager. There's a lot of um, a lot of external stakeholders and internal stakeholders as well that you need to uh, keep happy um, and make sure that you know their their needs and wants are being heard, but also trying to communicate your needs and wants as well. Um, so I think if if you have that um, skill of communication and making sure that what you need is is conveyed well. Um, but at the same time, you're showing that you're listening and um, and you're trying to implement what they 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 as well. I think it'll get you far. Is there anything that comes to mind where you learned a lesson very quickly on the job? Like I know Jerry Jerry Seinfeld has this joke where he talks about how uh, pain is knowledge rushing in. Like if you walk into a dark room and you hit your toe on the edge of a bed. <laughs> you now know where the edge of the bed is very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So is, is there any like lessons you've learnt on the job? Uh, yeah, there, there, there's been quite a few. Um, one that is, I've learnt very quickly um, was uh, you don't kick a ball while Graham Arnold's speaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, no matter how far away you are, you, you don't kick a ball. Please um, explain. <laughs> 
he was having his team talk at halfway in the circle um, and the crossbar looked very inviting. Um, so I went for it. I did hit the crossbar. Wow. I got the crossbar. Um, and then afterwards, uh, one of the players just pulled me aside and just uh, respectfully told me uh, never to do that again. So wow. that lesson has uh, stuck with me very uh, for a very long time and uh, I think it will continue to. <laughs> Imagine coming a spray from Graham Arnold when you're not even in the team. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. thankfully, it didn't come from Graham Arnold. Not even a player. player but <laughs> yeah. what, what, was this at the World Cup or at a, no, a friendly? No, the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not not even playing, kicking <laughs> balls on the field. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Um, some of the best parts of your role. You've you said that you've only got like the Olympics to go to before you've covered off every national team tour. It sounds like there'd be a lot of highlights. What what have been some of the best parts? Um, yeah, I think the obviously the experiences I've got to do um, going to the playoffs and and the World Cup and then getting to travel around to different parts of Australia running matches. I think is pretty cool and um, definitely a part of the job that I love to do. Um, another another thing that I love and it's the reason why I do events is. Um, I love the end of the game when everyone, you know, especially when we win and everyone's cheering and happy and you, you know, look around, you're like, I, I put this on, um, you know, I, everything that I did in the last weeks, months, I sort of led to this and um, it's a pretty cool feeling of, you know, accomplishment um, to, to see an event come together and, um, and to go well. Um, so that definitely keeps me going when it's like, it's tough, but, um, just knowing that feeling at the end, once you've completed that, you know, event and, and everyone's happy and all the feedback's great, then, um, you know, it makes, it makes you feel really good as well. Um, I think another thing that I really love about my current job as well is just, um, the support, um, from those above me and, and those, those around me as well in, um, gaining that you know experience as, as an event manager giving me new opportunities and experiences and um, and skills to learn um, so I can further myself in, in events um, I think since joining FA I've um, improved massively in terms of um, my role as uh, an event manager and I think um, I still have a long way to go but um, because of those people around me and and that support um, and that you know showing me what skills I need and, and helping me to learn that I think is um brought me a long way and, and hopefully will continue to to keep me on the up, upward way. Love it. Nice. I reckon that um, you've just made me think that why, about why, potentially why so many people love working in events because what you work towards, the outcome of it is so tangible and mm. so visual. Like you can see it, you can hold it, you can feel it. Whereas some other jobs, like you never, you never see yeah. the outcome of what you're working towards where at events it's very obvious. And so you see a lot of people who get the bug or become like addicted to events and they just go from one to the next to the next. And it's just like, yeah, you work, achieve something, feel it. I don't know. Is, is that a real thing or not? Absolutely. And I think I was speaking to someone that, um, that works at, uh, the Ironman group about the, um, the Hoka runaway half marathon that was on last weekend. Um, and at one point, uh, she, she went up to this like vanish point and looked over and there was all this crowd and everyone was like finishing the race and everyone was cheering them in and that everyone that had finished was just like, you know, milling around. And it, it is that sense of accomplishment of like, I've put this on and, and this is really cool. Um, and I think it, it's something that, um, if you work in events, you'll, you'll definitely know and understand that that's that, f that f feeling you get of elation after, after a match. And even, um, at the, at the kickoff whistle, um, you get that, you know, relief, but then that, you know, um, sort of sense of achievement of, um, I, I've put this on. Yeah. So is that, that 90 minute period when a match is on, <coughs> that's like your quietest period. Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah, about 30 minutes and then you obviously go into halftime um, and just making sure halftime runs smoothly. But then after that, that second 45 is pretty quiet. You start packing down. Um, yeah, you start collecting your thoughts. You go, <laughs> we're only 45 minutes away from this being the end. So, yeah. But then before and after is just manic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially before. <laughs> I, remember, um, I remember working in community at CA I used to struggle with that heaps because you, you couldn't ultimately see what you were trying to do. You know, like we're trying to, you know, grow participation or, you know, make sure, you know, clubs using child safe practices and all that kind of thing. And like there's all these different projects, but I, I can't see the crowd cheering or I can't see a, an event completed. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Like it's 
you know, I remember thinking like, oh, I don't even know what I, what work have I done? I can't see the end product, you know, it's mm. a weird one. So it sounds like events is a, an awesome place to work because you can just see it. You, mm. you can see the success. It's so. also a very stressful place to work. But it's yeah, also well, fun. that's the thing. Like, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you're probably stressing, trade -off. <laughs> stressing hard on a, on a mm. Saturday night, um, but ultimately rewarding. So exactly. What's your uh, longest shift? My longest shift, uh, it would have been, uh, I'm doing the math in my head now, five plus 12. <laughs> uh, it, would have, it would be like probably like a 19 hours. Wow. 19 From like hours. like 7 a.m. to like 3 a.m. Is this with Football Australia? Yeah, I think so. I'm struggling to remember what match it was, whether it was a Wanderers match. or I know, I think it was a... FA match um, and it was one of the earlier ones I think and we'll just uh, yeah I got to the stadium like 7am and then just everything we had to pack up that night and everything got packed up and it was like yeah 3am wow yeah. we've had my few... bed looked very good that night yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been a, a nice sleep absolutely we, um, we've talked to a few event people and they share some of the hours that they work and it, it is extraordinary like on yeah. the day that you know, what you get called up to do, but it's all part of it. Exactly. And I think that's what you sort of, you understand when you join events that um, the hours are going to be pretty crazy. But um, again, it's so rewarding that you don't really think about the hours until it's like 2.30 in the morning and you're about to head home. You're like, mm. wow, I just, I've just worked like 19 hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd just be running off adrenaline the Absolutely, entire time, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fate would have been sore. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Especially in dress shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sounds like there's kind of two sides to your job. There's the, the on the day, on the match, um, and then there's the, the time between. What, what are you doing when there's, you know, like when was the last match you had, say? Socceroos at Marvel back in March. Yeah. So, so it's been like yeah. two months. So like what, what does that gap look like? Is it super, super intense every day or are they like sort of – you know, ebbs and flows in terms of how busy you are? Definitely ebbs and flows. Um, obviously, like the week after the match, everyone's sort of just like coming down from, you know, the, the higher the matches, um, unpacking, make sure the freight's back in and sort of sort, sorting yourself out for the next one. Um, and then it's just obviously just planning for for the next matches. Thankfully, we've had a, um, a good bit of time um, of leeway between um, obviously the Socceroos match in March and now the Matillas match in, in July. Um, there's been a good amount of time which we don't usually get the luxury of which has been really nice but at the same time um, it's it's a send-off match it's, it's going to be huge and so there's a lot of different working parts that we're working through and um, it's taken us a, a long time and a lot of hard work to get to where we are and we're, we're getting close to um, to ha having ready to go um, but I think yeah it, it sort of ebbs and flows depending on um, you know if People have replied to your e e emails, which sometimes it takes them a while to do. Um, but then also like different things, um, you know, lots of meetings on certain days, no meetings on other days, you know, whether we're coming down to the stadium to do side visits or not. So it kind of, yeah, it, it depends on the day and what's sort of happening. But um, yeah, thankfully it's not manic every single day. That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about some uh, challenges you've had to face to, to get to where you are? Has it all been smooth sailing or has, it, has there been some tough parts, any career decisions or hurdles that you've had to overcome? Yeah, I think um, for a lot of people, COVID was a tough point. Um, I went from working at Wanderers uh, casually, but quite a few days a week, sort of working towards that full-time role to then, um, you know, COVID hitting and then sort of everything being at a standstill. I had... Um, I had school holiday clinics planned for that first week in July um, and then we got locked down on the Sunday and I had everything still laid out in the shed. I had stuff at home I was going to take um, to the community thing. So, yeah, it was quite a you know sudden shutdown and sort of got getting told that, um, you know, you're on job seeker or uh, yeah, job keeper and then um, you just kind of have to go back to where I was where I was working casually at the time at the uni in the call centre, which is um, not in sport and not really what, what I wanted to do at all. Um, what, and then what were you calling people about? People were call, calling me, so I was in the the contact service centre, um, answering phone calls from prospective students, just asking about oh, courses. Oh, or like right. a, yeah. 
um, which like I, I love talking to people. So um, it was an enjoyable job at the same time. It's definitely not what I wanted to do full time <laughs> forever. Um, but yeah, and I guess that was um, a really challenging point in time because I didn't really know where where I was going to go in sport. I knew I wanted to work in sport, but um, there weren't any jobs going either because it was the middle of COVID. There was a lot of um, insecurity around people's jobs. And so um, for me, it was challenging because I, yeah, I didn't really know where I was you know, going to go. But thankfully, it sort of it worked itself out um, post-COVID. And um, I guess another... Uh, Another challenge. How long were you on the on the calls for until the next rock came up? Oh, uh, I well, I started, I started at the call center when I started uni, which was 2017, and I left there 2019 or 2020. Yeah. What What about between your role at Wanderers being cut off to Football Australia starting? Uh so when I well after that I got my full time job at Wanderers after COVID. Oh, came so Wanderers back. got you back. Yeah, so gotcha. I came um, post COVID. I went back to Wanderers so casually and then so full time. What was that gap between cut off to back at Wanderers? It's like three months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, three or four months. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, came back and then was full time with Wanderers for about six months. And then that second round of COVID hit. Um, and then then again, it was sort of like that, I don't know where I'm going because I'd, I'd applied for the job at FA and I hadn't heard back. And I was um, sort of like, you know, um, enjoying my time at Wanderers, but also I didn't really enjoy the community side of things. I, I knew I wanted to sort of move into that event side. Um, and I'd applied for a really cool job at FA that I was really excited to get, but um, I hadn't heard back. So, um, again, it was like just ha- having that patience that, um, you know, it, it will work out. And um, if, you know, if you don't get the job, then it's it wasn't meant to be and you just apply for the next one. And um, I saw somewhere um, related to sports grad, uh, I think it was actually Coops um, that, uh, like, page that he did um and he said like the worst thing they can say is no um and i think that's that was super important for me and um obviously it's super important for coops as well because um for me i was just applying for so many jobs i was getting so many no's back but it's just a no and you can just apply for the next one um and i think that's what sort of can we go through that challenging time was i you know i knew i wanted to get into events so i kept applying for event jobs and eventually one said you know yes instead of no so um yeah which was a great thing <laughs> thankfully it was that um cooper's interview in the newsletter that yeah correct this morning. yeah nice, nice. yeah good, good to know someone reads it i, I read it in bed this morning yeah. <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> so you good on coach he's had a bit of a bit of influence over the episode today yeah. which is good which he'd, he'd love absolutely um you've spoken about a few sort of uh managers and whatnot at, at uh, FA that, that have helped you but it, has there been anyone else out there who's given you some advice or helped you along the way that you can really I guess look back on now and think that was really important in your career yeah I think um, going back to Bicycle New South Wales uh, my event manager and event director at the time when I was there um, Jane Robertson was the event director and Carline uh, Kodak was the event manager and they were um, super influential in sort of um, giving me that first opportunity in events, um, but also sort of setting me up to, to move on post Bicycle New South Wales. Um, they knew obviously I wouldn't stay on there forever. And so they sort of um, gave me some really good advice and I've been a- able to go back um, to both Jane and Carline since and, and get some advice on you know where I should go and what should I do. Um, and then uh, I guess another person would be Eric Wu, who now works at the Women's World Cup um, in part of the venues team, I think. Um, he was the uh, the one that in- interviewed me and gave me the job at FA to begin with, and then he moved across to Women's World Cup, and he's um, been able to, to give me some really good advice and um, some really honest, uh, down-to-earth advice as well, which um, sometimes I really needed because I'm like, oh, this looks so cool, like, and I get this, like, cool picture of what you know some something might be and then he's like it's not like that sam i'm like okay cool (laughs) you know good to know those people are important the ones who can deliver the the honest but important feedback absolutely yeah Yeah. Mm. amazing well sam if you could go back to your time at university or if you could walk back into a room where you yourself as a university student is still there and pass on one bit of advice for forming yourself trying to get into the sports industry what would that bit of advice be uh, p- 
probably do more in terms of volunteering or internships. I got, you know, my internship at Basketball New South Wales and my internship at Wanderers and that was kind of it. And I just focused on that and I didn't really do anything else outside of that in terms of volunteering. Um, and I think I could have, um, definitely improved my, uh, my network and my contacts. If during that time I'd sort of volunteered at different events, um, I was just, you know, in love with football at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm, you know, you're doing this really cool internship at Wanderers and that's all I want to do. And I was sort of focusing all, all on that. And um, I think in hindsight, I, um, if I had my time again, I definitely, I'd obviously still do that internship at Wanderers because it was amazing. But um, I definitely do some other experience, um, some other internships or, or some volunteer work at different events um, to just to grow that sort of, you know, different event knowledge. It's not just football events. There's obviously a lot of other events out there that, um, that are still in sport. And um, I think to be able to get experience in those different types of ones would have been good. Nice one. Before we wrap up, any other episodes relating to Sam's that we can pass on? Yeah, well, we've discovered all about Sam's career journey and what he does in the job today. But if you want to go hear back one of Sam's career highlights from uh, the Socceroos qualifying for the FIFA World Cup in around this time last year. Absolutely, yep. Uh, that was episode 185. If people want to go back and listen to that where Sam was coming off about two hours of sleep post-celebration. So It was yeah. a very different Sam back then. Than yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't quite at his best. <laughs> no, I was... I mean, no, sorry. In ways of health. Wow. That's all I meant. <laughs> <laughs> it's very tired. Yeah. Um, so there's a very good one. Another interesting one might be... Um, uh, the interview that I did with uh, Chris Nicku at the FIFA World Cup. Also, we had a chat about what it was like at the FIFA World Cup. So those interested in football, you can go back and listen to that. I think that was 227, I think. That was a little bonus one at the end of last year. So yeah. a couple of football ones for those interested. What what was Carlo? Carlo was number 20. Awesome. 20. Oh, Simon Hill the was OGs. in there somewhere. Simon Hill was 167. Nice. Thought I'd just throw so. all football in there. Yeah. And Nathan Peroni's in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Peroni is 83 and 183. It's scary and how good other, your memory is. And then the other one is um, from Sunderland, Tom – what's his last name? From Southampton. Southampton. Tom Rose. Tom Rose, episode 69. 52 challenges in 52 weeks. Yep. That was a bloody brilliant episode. Yep. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, there's about, you know, 15 hours of uh, content for those listening. Yep. Um, Sam, mate, it's it's been a pleasure having you in here. As I said before, when we got in here, I was like, I feel like I've done this before in person. <laughs> um, and it's weird that we've only ever met you probably like four, five times, you know, for me personally. But um, it's great seeing you and it's great having you in here and just hearing about that journey. Um, you're a great example for a lot of people who – you know, started in a casual role and, you know, trying to get that dream job and seeing where you've got to now being event manager and also seeing where you're going over the next 10 years, I've got absolutely no doubt that you'll, uh, you'll hit that Brisbane 2032, mate. So pleasure having you in here, mate, and uh, we'll catch you at uh, the next meetup sometime. Absolutely. Get those uh, the uh, Sydney meetup details out. Yeah, we'll get it out soon. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the Sportsgrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join. 